2: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Our guest today, Larry Dresner is an accomplished composer whose many compositions have been performed before audiences throughout the United States and Europe. His music has been performed by the Metropolitan Flute Orchestra, the Mammoth Winds Quintet, the American Chamber Ensemble, the Poetica Ensemble, and the Motel Chamber Ensemble, to name a few. With a strong interest in all forms of music, Larry has been involved in musical theatre with several off-off-Broadway shows, cabaret, and has directed talented productions, jazz bands, pick-up musicians, we'll have to ask him about that one, and produced chamber concerts. Maestro Larry Dresner is a graduate of New England Conservatory. Welcome, good friend and musical theatre partner, Larry Dresner. How are you today?
1: I'm
2: doing great thanks for asking and uh, thanks for inviting me to chat with you today oh my pleasure oh by the way i should tell them larry dresner is the dresner of rolando and dresner productions currently in a shall we say covid extended pre-production period of sure. our <laughs> yes of our new musical dramedy a little place called earth book by me marcello rolando and music and lyrics created by our great guest today Larry Dresner. Larry and I have made the most of uh, any window of opportunity between COVID-2020 and the new surge in 2021 of the Delta variant. During that time, we've been teaching ourselves how to produce, market, find, and prep talent online safely for all concerned. Among other things, we do have a number of Larry's songs from a little place called Earth on my Marcello Rolando YouTube channel. We invite you to check that out, and recently Rolando and Dresner Productions returned to our favorite sound recording studio, which we frequent whenever possible in Manhattan. So, Larry, with that, let's talk about some of the things we've managed to do during a global pandemic that keep us all safe, of course, and and help us to work through things where we're keeping people safe, healthy, and happily anticipating our grand opening. Let's start with uh, our favorite sound studio in Manhattan and about the people there and how the facility, which is magnificent, and how well they've, they've helped us out a number of times.
1: Sure, well, the organization is National Opera Center on 7th Avenue, just a couple blocks south of Penn Station in New York City. They have several different size auditoriums, lots of small practice rooms, each one with a piano, and they have a fabulous recording studio set up run by Jeremy Gerard, and he was the uh, engineer for this latest recording we did. I think it was just last month.
2: Yes, just in July, absolutely. And it was the window. I know we were, we've talked about that before. You and I have been on the phone about that. We get what we can done in between because clearly you know we knew Delta was going to end up being something but we had this this window and unfortunately for all of us uh, you were able to get in there and and make this happen and what we're talking about is another recording of, of two more well three actually more songs of Larry's but tell us first how did you meet the pianist Mark Wagner
1: well over the past couple of years I've been recording some of my songs and I was working with a fabulous mezzo soprano who recommended the pianist and he recorded with us and mezzo for other things i've done and i invited him and he accepted to play for the recording that we'll be talking about today the three new songs excellent his his name is mark wagner and he's a fabulous accompanist he um he knows what you're trying to do even if you don't always convey it in the most (laughs) articulate manner, (laughs) and he seems to be able to read between the notes, so it's really helpful working with
2: him. Yeah, great, great. Tell us about working with the operatic tenor Christian Mark Gibbs. I know we both actually, in our original, we should, yes, back up, maybe some people are new to the show, or at least hearing about the production. We had auditioned like many, many people in theater. We were holding auditions for the show that i believe was called at the time passionately pursuing a life of excellence or something like that we which were, is mouthful. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes that has personal meaning for me and i i wanted it as a working title because it it inspired me in doing much of the writing but i never thought it would be the final title and the final title actually larry came up with and and it was it's excellent i, I can i can't imagine any other title a little place called earth but in any case we held auditions we indeed and notified people who were called back and tenor christian mark gibbs was one of them and but then of course covid hit and i had to stop all of the video productions i was directing and and of course broadway had to stop and and rolando and dresner productions had to stop only we didn't really stop we just stayed out of sight uh, that is <laughs> out of the public eye or whatever <laughs> however you want to put it but anyway, so that's, that's where, how we got to this sound studio again and back to how it was working with operatic tenor Christian Mark Gibbs. So
1: I'm a member of a composers group on Long Island where we produce our own concerts, where we hire musicians and they perform our music, and we typically do that at museums and libraries. So Christian Mark Gibbs was a tenor we had hired many years ago for one of the concerts, I was always impressed by his talent, and I kept an eye and an ear out for him. He's going to a music school in Queens, New York City, and Mm -hmm. he actually auditioned well, for a little place called Earth Cast Calls, Mm -hmm. and he has a a fabulous tenor voice, and he's actually doing some great things we can talk about a little bit more if we have time later, but um, I asked him if he'd be interested in singing some of these songs, so he had room in his schedule and we brought
2: him in and he did a fabulous job. Well, we can talk about more about him now. Uh, I know one thing that I found after I loved his voice and called him back was his recording of um, oh, and it's one of my favorite musicals Ragtime and it is um, oh, I've got all your songs in my head. What is it from Ragtime? It's, um, yes, it's the one where uh, oh, it's the big, big number of the lead. It's the one Cole House Walker sings, the big number. Um, make them hear you. He was fabulous. Tell us more about him.
1: Well, I always knew he had a great voice, but I had never seen him act. But in the video that he made for that Ragtime musical, you were impressed by his acting, and that was great. And since we've been working together with him, he also played Tony and the West Side Story opera performance in Denmark, I believe. And he's also been on a couple of commercials on TV. So the guy,
2: his career has really taken off, and that's great. Yes. It's clearly one of my favorite songs from the show, and I love Ragtime. And if you've only seen the James Cagney film, and I loved it for James Cagney, you really haven't seen the best of Ragtime. The theater piece is incredible. Oh, did we mention that he's off to Finland? Did you say that?
1: Yeah, he was playing Tony in West Side Story.
2: Yes, yes. yes. Okay. So he's good.
1: I I think I said Denmark, so you may have to splice this a
2: little bit. Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. We're doing fine. Yes, it's Finland, I'm pretty certain, where he has gone to the (laughs) West Side Story. Yes. I'm not certain when he'll be back, but we will keep in touch one way or the other for sure. Sure. I I know. um, Well, tell us about... You know, we, we we talked about him, two of the songs from the show uh, that you recorded. One was Mistakenly Taken, which I really love, and Epitaph. Of course, I love all your songs, but I mean, two songs in particular, uh, the, the big, shall we say, emotional number for the leading man is uh, Mistakenly Taken, and for the leading lady, it is To Have Had a Son, and... Both are so incredibly powerful. Now, we're, we haven't had all the songs recorded, in part because of we were still in the midst of casting and, of course, COVID and all that, but uh, we are working when we can and mistakenly taken an epitaph you just recorded and, of course, another song that you have recorded that is not in the show, at least not yet, but you know how I am. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you
1: stealing my songs. So I you know.
2: know. So share some behind behind the scenes, you know, composing and insights for each of the three songs you guys recorded in July.
1: So "Mistakenly Taken was for a musical I had written back in the 80s about a group home trying to open up in the suburb of New York City. Group homes are typically houses run by a husband and wife, and they bring in kids who are at risk of falling through the cracks of society and turning out bad. So because of that reputation, a lot of neighborhoods don't want those kind of kids in their neighborhood. So the fight was trying to establish a group home in one of the suburbs of New York City. So Mistakenly Taken was written by one of the kids in the show where he's talked about bouncing from one group home to another group home or one foster care organization to another because people would try to adopt him or return him or he wasn't selected so he's just getting bounced around very bitter so basically the song mistaken and taken was a snapshot of the emotional roller coaster he was going through so it is pretty powerful stuff um, and Christian just Pulls it off really well. Mm-hmm. Does a really good job. Epitaph was a poem I heard recited at a cousin's funeral about two or three years ago when, they, when the rabbi recited it. I asked him for the name of it, and it turns out that it was a poem written, I believe, back in the late 60s, and it's become a staple about a lot of eulogies because of what it says. Mm-hmm. So I'd always... When I heard it, I wanted to see if I could write something to it, which I did. Originally, I wrote it for acoustic guitar and voice, and I think it came out really well. But for this recording, I arranged the guitar part for the piano, and it it came off really well. So um, again, Christian really sang it with feeling and beautiful voice. It's a pretty wide range Mm -hmm. for a tenor, but he was able to pull it off and very happy with it.
2: Yes, and it, it, too, is one of those more powerful moments in the show. I guess we should say, because we haven't mentioned in this particular broadcast, but Larry came to me with 30 songs, and he wondered if, you know, we should try and do a cabaret or whatever, but I loved his the music so much, and again, I'm very familiar with his songs, and I I thought, no, we can make this a book musical. And so it was... It, it was his music and his lyrics that inspired the book that I wrote. Quite literally, I created a story to connect the songs. And um, I'm impressed with the book, but I always say, As Larry, it's his fault because of his music. It inspired that. So, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> another artist we've had a, the pleasure of working with before was in our production of Tiffany a musical also filled with uh, Larry's incredible compositions, with a book and lyrics by our good friend Dale Johnson, directed by me, is Broadway's Reesa Katona Bennett. I always love saying her name, even if it didn't have Broadway's in front of it. I love saying her name. Reesa Katona Bennett. And Reyesa is still very busy in, in Manhattan and Connecticut and uh, the tri-state area in the Northeast in, in New York, as opposed to the tri-state area around D.C. Can you uh, can you tell us, give us a, a, a little update on her? She uh, I sure. Know she, well, go ahead. I'll be quiet.
1: <laughs> well, back when we started working with her for Tiffany, she was the understudy for Christine and Phantom of the Opera. Yes. So you know, she, you know she's got chops. Yes. Um, so lately, she initiated and runs a series of concerts in New York City called Tudor Tudor City Greens. And Tudor City is a part of Manhattan, um, for people who aren't familiar with it. And he's got and she has Broadway performers performing a show for her during these concerts. Um, she's also done her own one woman shows in Connecticut where she just recently performed Can't Help Sing, the music of Jerome Kern. Mm-hmm. So she's a really talented performer and doing a lot of work.
2: And as you say, working with a lot of Broadway people. So we mentioned also that raisa Katona Bennett was not only the the understudy for Christine in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway, but she went on to perform Christine many times. Oh, and I'll tell a quick story of how I met her. We actually lived in the same building in New York City, I believe it was West 45th Street, I can't remember. But I would hear her vocalize every now and then. She was on a different floor. And one day after meeting Larry and and Dale and uh, Green, we were going to work on Tiffany, I I said to them, I know exactly who can play the lead. And I never met her. I just heard her vocalize on another floor in the building. And I followed one. One day she started vocalizing, usual time. And I went up flights of stairs trying to track down this voice. And I, I... When I got to the door that I was certain was the the singer, I knocked on the door and and she stopped singing, of course, came to the door without opening it and said, who is it? And I said, well, I'm Marcello Rolando. I live a couple of floors down. I hear you vocalize every morning. I'm a director. And and before I could finish, after I'm a director, to explain, she opened the door. (laughs) I never will forget that. It was beautiful. And, you know, I told her about Larry and Dale and Tiffany and and asked if she'd be interested. And I told her that she had already auditioned for the director, so if she wanted it, she was in, and she was in, and she was glorious. So I thought, yeah, 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 that was... She also, you know, you mentioned the, um, I think it was July 31st, uh, can't help singing the music of Jerome Kern, but she did Mm -hmm. something um, July 14th at Tudor City Greens, I think, and, uh, again, there were Broadway performers like Abinder Robinson and yep. uh, the music director, Kenneth Gartman. And so she's just, she's very much in that Broadway circle of performers and, and, and is extremely busy all the time performing. But, anyway, how about we take a short break and, yeah, well, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about, Then then we'll take the break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about a little place called earth the latest developments and you know how again how larry and i are managing to navigate as as are so many people you know obviously the health community the the health professionals doctors and nurses and all those people who work in hospitals that we never mention everybody is risking their lives to save the lives of others and first responders, firemen, police, all of that and of course the people in the grocery stores who get yelled at, who are trying to make certain we have food, we need to remember all of them and but in the midst of all of that losing Broadway and theater uh, and movie houses throughout the the nation has been a challenge for us in the business because unlike some of the other things that, that sort of stopped gradually, show business stopped on a dime, and there we were. On that low note, we're going to take a short break from my good friend, composer Larry Dresner, and we'll be right back. Please stay with us. We're going to talk more about A Little Place Called Earth. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando, director, actor, writer, and the reasonable voice, here to tell you It Will All Work Out. The title of a Larry Dresner song from our new musical, A Little Place Called Earth. It's about recovering while enduring insurrection, Wednesday, January 6th. It's about responding to violence against the very core of American democracy with articles of impeachment, Wednesday, January 13th. It's about realigning our trajectory, knowing moving forward is America's best solution for a little place called Earth, Wednesday, January 20th. It's about an America reconnecting its foreign relationships, reconsidering where we place our trust domestically knowing it will all work out it's about subscribing to marcello rolando's youtube channel where rolando and dresner productions keeps its musical promise to replace fear with faith anger with hope and hate with love recapturing the essence of a little place called earth knowing it will all work out
3: my life was nice and cozy the sun around me, then I felt a raindrop, and the skies were suddenly all cloudy. Now, here I'm standing in the rain, no umbrella, no overcoat, no money. Sometimes, forced to sing in a cappella before you lose your temper and your mind gets in a flurry. Just tell. Never cry and never, never Dim and hazy Sometimes you're dealt a bad hand But you keep on playing I know you're not a quitter Listen now to what I'm saying
2: For more information, listen to our Rolando and Dresner Productions podcast on YouTube at Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice. Thank you. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, and our Reasonable Voice guest today is Larry Dresner, graduate of New England Conservatory, composer, musician, and my partner in. Rolando and Dresner Productions producing the new musical dramedy A Little Place Called Earth. We're all pushing forward as best we can and so as for A Little Place Called Earth, I have just finished and submitted the screenplay for the film version of our new theater musical dramedy. It's interesting how that happened. It's not like I write screenplays all the time by the way, so you know, but um, I, my my New York City boss um, former boss of uh, soap opera days when I was on a number of soaps. In any case, she sent me an email and said that there were some people looking for new film scripts and she thought I should send a little place called Earth, which of course is a theater piece, and I went, oh, okay, and so I did that and then <laughs> and went crazy trying to teach myself how to write a screenplay. As many as I've seen in as many movies as I've been in, I'd like to say, not the least of which of course was Steven Spielberg to drop names in Lincoln but it's very different from reading it and learning your lines and writing it but then I realized writing a screenplay I got to I got to stage it by telling the cameras what I wanted the audiences to see and so Larry (laughs) you take it from here
1: basically cutting your teeth on writing this as a screenplay since you don't do it too often and I also remember you mentioning that from you writing it as a screenplay it gave you new ideas and new approaches to the original play which took you back there to edit that so it was a good exercise not only in learning a new skill but also possibly refining and making better our dramedy a little place colder.
2: Well, that definitely is true, uh, and I went back and forth many times as I, because you have, you know, label each what it is, and date it, and so forth, and, but as I wrote the screenplay, uh, there are things that work on stage, and of course I can see that in my head because I'd just written the, the, the musical, the play, but while those things work very well on stage, they would not translate to film, it's just different. So it brings more opportunity, but at the same time, it's a little challenge. So if the actor is not sitting, you know, and the lights come up on him as he's sort of this or that, uh, suddenly you have to create that with a camera and then you have to create that entire atmosphere. And after you get past, after I got past the first 60 seconds of, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? I realize, hey. This means everything is possible. There are no limitations, except my imagination. I can be pretty imaginative. But Larry, sure. if you leave you this part of the conversation. I'll answer. I'll jump in and answer whatever you ask me. <laughs> I don't want it to just be me.
1: Well, you do it so well.
2: <laughs> yes, Larry's a man of few words. Well,
1: well, no, when I read the screenplay, it took me a while to figure out what all the abbreviations meant you know move the camera and all that so (laughs) I just thought it was pretty interesting to do that I'm just glad I didn't have to do anything involved
2: (laughs) (laughs) well I had to learn that I mean it wasn't like it was foreign to me Uh, like I said I've had to read film scripts by the way anyone making movies knows this already but anyone else final draft final draft a shout out final draft is a program for screenwriters and once you finish your your uh, screenplay, you load it into Final Draft, and then they will set up the format. Now, of course, my first draft was uh, way overloaded because I wasn't just saying cut to a two-shot or cut to George or, you know, or, cut, cut to Sandy. I was saying cut to Sandy's reaction, which is not what you're supposed to do. And so I had to go back two or three times. I mean, I knew that, but I did it initially, the first two drafts to make certain, I saw in my mind and on the page what what I thought was going to work and then then I would have to cut it back to, and I did Uh this just recently, last weekend, and it got down to cut to the character name or the briefest of descriptions, but still, it was fascinating to write the camera directions for the opening of a movie. All of you out there, think about when you see a movie and it opens with or without the opening credits, one of my favorites for this was Robert Redford's Horse Whisperer. Do yourself a favor and watch just the opening. It's a great movie, but watch the opening because to me, and obviously to Robert Redford in this movie, but to me, those opening credits and the opening scenes, the shots that you see in any film should be what we call in theater the exposition. All of that should happen so that by the time people start talking, it's already the, again, what we call in theater, the inciting moment. The action has begun. And if you can't get that exposition beautifully visualized in incredible shots like Robert Redford and and Steven Spielberg and Tyler Perry and so many others do, while we are seeing the credits, then, you know, then you have to start the exposition after all of that beauty and it distracts in my opinion. Okay.
1: The opening credits I, I remember is uh, the very first Star Wars where you see a shot of the galaxy, and then all of a sudden this huge spaceship is rumbling over your head. It just goes on and on and on, and that's a, a screenshot in science fiction movies I've never seen before.
2: Yes. At at Talk about an establishment shot. I mean, wow. But back to a little place called Earth. One of the things, too, I want to talk about, as we were, as every time I think about when we talk, we're doing podcasts, you know, we want people to know about the show, of course. But also, it's inspired me to have a series of uh, interviews on The Reasonable Voice with performers that Larry and I know and have worked with and so forth, so that they could give us updates on what, how they are getting through this time. And one of them is Tulis McCall. She was on a couple of weeks ago, I believe. And she is directed many times by Austin Pendleton, who, mm. who is an amazing actor, writer, director. I mean, he does everything. And he's been in films. And Austin Pendleton and I, our paths have crossed nothing like with Tulis. I mean, he directs Tulis all the time and she is an amazing performer. But when Lanford Wilson decided to retire from Circle Rep downtown lower Manhattan, He called me in and uh, interviewed me to direct one of the last shows that would be done under his uh, artistic direction, and just before Austin Pendleton became replaced, Lanford Wilson. And uh, that was an amazing interview, but I won't take time here to talk about it, but it was quite something. I still to this day don't know how how he picked me out of the lot and said, here are five scripts, pick the one you want. And the one I chose went on to be published. It was, it was then Nixon and Kissinger by Russell Lees, great playwright. And it's now called Nixon's Nixon. So that it was another time. And then there's this wonderful restaurant, Barrymore's in Midtown, where Austin and I often would, would meet, uh, not because we knew each other or met each other, but we, we happened to be sitting at uh, different tables at the end of a long day either performing or do- rehearsing, and back in the days when I was working with Larry, I was rehearsing a lot. And we'd sit down and have a drink, and he was within earshot of me and I, him, and at a different table, and we would just, uh, you know, we would just chat a little bit. So that I ended up working with uh, Tulis McCall, um, and she is directed by him. If you ever get a chance to see Tulis in her cabaret performances, her Wooden women shows, you gotta do that. Also, Lana Young, who's just been cast by Tyler Perry in a, a new movie that he's doing and, and of course Broadway's Avery Summers we talk to a great deal all of these people are living in hot spots as far as COVID's concerned but back to uh, film and television and, and theater and a little place called Earth Larry, what are your thoughts about what happens with this film? What do you think? I mean, and if it happens what do you want to see happen? Let's put it that way
1: hoping that sooner rather than later we're able to bring in the talent that we want for our show and have them rehearse it either quasi-remotely or just social distancing in the same place and try to get a reading so we can get the pacing and see what needs to be trimmed or added and then get the characters to sing the song so that we can see what works because when you're writing a book for reading purposes you, that's one thing but the only way you could tell if a musical show was working is to see it performed so you could see timing and reaction and all that kind of stuff so i'd like to I hope we can get something like that done before the year is out
2: well i hope so i i think delta is going to get worse before it gets better but we will still hang in there we will still find ways of getting around it and we will still you know, get the word out. At the very least, we're going to figure out how to record more of your songs and get them on the YouTube channel, so that at least people will have some sense of the great talent you are and what it brings and, and why I was inspired to write a book around the, the songs. Have mm-hmm. you ever, have you ever done that before? Do you, is, that is songs before the book, or or have you? no, yeah.
1: no. Every musical theater piece I've ever written was based on existing characters, and or books. um, Some of the songs I've written for myself, without it being attached to a show, always started with a character or a thought in my head, and then just playing with the lyrics until I liked the lyrics, and then set it to music, because the worst thing that could happen is set music to lyrics revise the lyrics because then that really throws the melody off and everything else so I always, I always try to make sure that the lyrics are as nearly set in stone as possible at that point when I start writing it
2: well that's interesting because then this worked out well for you <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah you know this, the music and the lyrics were set in stone well I didn't find that I had to adjust to anything really because I, I mean it when I say when I listen to your music and even just looking at the sheet music, and, and of course even those digitalized melodies you would send to me, but the music and the sheet music, it was so clear that it's just inspirational. I know I keep saying that, but it's very true, and, and that made the book flow. It made the book mm-hmm. happen. If, if anything, the book's too long, but I'm good at editing, so we'll, we'll take care of that.
1: And that's a skill in itself, because to be able to self-edit your own work It's a lot of discipline, so so bravo for you.
2: (laughs) Well, I get that from my political writing a lot because there are always word limits, you know. Someone will, a newspaper will call me and say, we saw your piece, it was uh, 400 words, can you make it 250? I said, no problem, I'll have it to you in an hour. (laughs) I don't mind cutting me, I I don't. That's not easy. You know, (laughs) but hey, how about, can you describe... In because if anyone can do this, Larry can. I cannot, but Larry's quite capable of this. In one sentence, what is a little place called <laughs> <by laughs> Earth about?
1: What the show is about basically, it's four characters who don't know each other find themselves in the same location and they're trying to figure out why they're there, where they came from, and where they're headed.
2: Okay, there's a lot more to it than that, but you <laughs> said one sentence. But, I know I wanted the Larry Dresner version, uh because we need to go very soon. Larry. Tell me more now about what is pickup musicians?
1: Oh, so I was uh, recording a song I had written, and I hired a contractor to hire musicians, so this contractor just knows everybody who's good at what they do, and he called them up, said, "If you're interested, this is the time of the date, and show up." So they're just picked up out of out of the bloom because they're all talented, and they sight read, rehearse, and recorded. So that's that's what the phrase "pick up musicians" mean because you're they're not a pre-formed group always performing together, but they're professional enough where with a little bit of practice you think they've been playing forever.
2: Wow, that's impressive. I didn't know. I didn't first of all I didn't know the term, and secondly, uh, wow that you did that and the you know uh, that's that's incredible. I love that, and I have a degree from Peabody Conservatory of Music. I've never heard of pick up musicians before, so you can always learn something. Thank you, Larry.
1: Oh, well, uh, sure. Maybe I just made that
2: up. Maybe know. you no, did. Maybe. <laughs> tell us before we go. Tell us, please, about the third song that you recorded uh, in the studio this July.
1: So, in the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about how impressed we were with this the tenor we work with Christian Mark Gibbs so I always thought I'd always want to write something for him with his voice. So I was looking around for lyrics and I came across some poems by Lord Byron and to my surprise, very few of his poems have been set to music at least recently. I found something that was written back I think in the thirties or forties. Mm-hmm. So I heard a melody for tenor, I wrote it, it's called She Walks in Beauty, and he nailed it and it fit perfectly on his voice, he's going to take it with him, he says wherever he has a chance to sing it, he'll do that, and that is nice for me, Mm -hmm. so my thought would be try to find maybe one or two more Lord Byron poems to make a trilogy, and have that available for people to sing at song recitals and that sort of thing.
2: Fantastic, that is really great. Okay, I guess we should go. I know you've got another appointment you need to get to. I guess I do too, come to think of it. But tell me about how one reaches out to you as a composer and a musician. I don't want anybody stealing him from me, but at the same time, I'd like more people to know about how to reach you, Larry, as well as us, And uh, because you are such an amazing uh, musician. You, you know, really. So, so, so how basically, it...
1: you and I have a Facebook page a little place called Earth. I have my own Facebook page under my name. If you Google my name, Larry Dresner or Lawrence Dresner, and you can even misspell Lawrence, you'll still find me. You'll find all the connections you need to find me in my website, and you could email me from there. That'd be great.
2: And Dresner is spelled with one S. Yep. D-R-E-S-N-E-R. All right then, Larry. Yes, um, we'll be talking. There's no no doubt about that. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to any ideas that we come up with. We're, so far, I think we've been pretty clever working around COVID, but, oh yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just keep at it. And if anybody's got any ideas or suggestions, send them our way. You can, oh, you can send them, yes. You can make n- notes on uh, the Facebook page of a little place called Earth, but you could also send them to me at Marcello, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O, at Marcello. Marcello Rolando M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O Rolando has two L's R-O-L-L-A-N-D-O Marcello at MarcelloRolando.com And I'm open to um, any ideas, suggestions, anyone who wants to audition, anyone who's got a a marvelous sound studio in their home where everyone could be safe and that kind of stuff. I mean, we're just open to ideas as we plow ahead. Remember to visit Marcello Rolando's YouTube channel, and look for the pictures of Larry and me because they, they are accompanied by slideshows, but they are a number of Larry's songs up, and we're about to put Mistakenly Taken Up within a week or so. Okay, Larry? Right, thank you. You got it. Thank you so much, Larry. You take care. All
1: right, you too, man.
2: Bye. All right. Hi, I'm Marcello Rolando of Rolando and Dresna Productions, and Larry and I are vaccinated, masking up, and moving forward with our new musical dramedy, A Little Place Called Earth. COVID-19 and our 2020 elections have brought out the best and worst in some of us, but few of us have to learn what to do if a police officer stops us, and less than half of us have to worry about where we jog, walk, or drive." As we listen to Larry Dresner's composition, Mistakenly Taken, sung by Christian Mark Gibbs, imagine what a difference it would make if all Americans shared all of America equally.
0: They wanted a kid in need of love So naturally I was the one They weren't really that bad after all So I figured I had nothing to lose I guess maybe I was special There were many more kids to choose Down deep I was happy Like I was born all over again I knew I was lucky Been lucky before Can't remember when So I packed my bags We drove away I waved as we passed the gate Imagine me with a family I didn't feel one bit of hate Mistakenly taken Regretfully returned Apologies to those involved I hope no one was burned That's all they said And I was sent off to bed Mistakenly taken, regretfully returned. Please give the kid a kiss, Good night. I'm sure he'll be all right. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Some people came to the shelter one day. Decided to leave a son. They dropped off a kid in need of love. So naturally, I was the one. Down deep, I was angry. Like I died a little inside. Down deep, I was angry. I remember the feeling as What difference does it make? Cause I'm better now. Don't need anyone. Oh, I'm fine by myself. Oh, they can't hurt me now. No, they can't hurt me.
2: more information, listen to our Rolando and Dresner Productions podcast on Marcello Rolando's YouTube channel. Thank you, and join us online, on stage, and on Earth. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Ferguson, mental health, life and death. Ferguson, Missouri, in all its anger, violence, militarized police brutality, government racial imbalance, and street arms-raised unity is America in miniature. Discriminating political redistricting and prioritizing profit power over people power are co-creators of Divided We Fall. However, the diminishing of our First Amendment rights to peacefully assemble and protest didn't begin with police. darren wilson shooting an unarmed michael brown robbery suspect or not multiple times It began with Attorney General John Ashcroft's administrative decree to quarantine dissent, which then standardized designated protest areas as our new First Amendment MO. It began with President George W. Bush's political events banning and arresting those peacefully wearing anti-Bush T-shirts. It began with our Pentagon buying surplus war weaponry from those who profit from our being at war and then giving the surplus munitions to police departments all over America. It began with DWB, FWA, SWB, and Trayvon Martin's crime, WWB. It began with Andrew Jackson slaughtering Native Americans, our civil war never-ending, 60s assassinations, a uniformed Oakland, California thug pepper-spraying sitting peaceful demonstrators. It began with people being left to die in New Orleans after Katrina and Michael Brown's body left in the street for hours. The systemic stigmatizing of those deemed different is as old as the Salem and McCarthy witch hunts, as prescient as the ongoing war on women from no voting rights to institutionalizing women for sexual orgasmic enjoyment with their husbands to states blocking the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. It's as new as veterans dying, waiting for health care and as old as the cataclysmic void in our treatment and understanding of Americans with mental health issues, allowing them still in the 21st century to live without help for depression like 19th century outcasts. We are not what we see on television, whether scripted sitcoms or news media. We are who we love and emulate, what we vote for and fight against, and how we treat one another. Death in all of its forms, whether Lauren Bacall and Charles Keating, or New York Chokehold and Ohio Walmart shot for being black, or Anne Sexton, Seymour Hoffman, and Robin Williams, death in all its forms cuts painfully into our six degrees of separation. I didn't know Robin Williams. Indeed, the closest I came to it was his co-stars, literally bumping into Nathan Lane one night after his brilliant performance in The Producers, and chanting on the set of Lincoln with Sally Field. But on so many levels, the death of Robin Williams hurts, just like losing my close friends and colleagues, J.D. Waring, Father Gilbert Harkey, and the iconic actress Mercedes McCambridge. I knew the addiction Mercedes was successfully resisting before her son, John Lawrence Fitzfield, killed himself after murdering his wife and two daughters. I know our stigmatizing mental illness And our ignorance of depression, schizophrenia, and Alzheimer's is as deadly as a militarized police state. I know Ferguson is an America from which we can learn life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or continued supreme distrust of our legal system. Not all battles are civil wars between Christians and non, rich and poor, or even black and white, but increasingly too many are. Perhaps in an election year, we and our governments and law enforcement at all levels have received a revelation. Ferguson, mental health, and life and death in America. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Thank you.